Welcome to the Chair Yoga Podcast with me, Maria Jones. Knowledge and inspiration for teaching and practicing chair-based yoga. The Chair Yoga Podcast is sponsored by the Chair Yoga Handbook, the only book you'll ever need to teach chair yoga. Get your copy on Amazon now. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Chair Yoga Podcast. Today's topic is Yoga for Systemic Lupus. And we are talking to Nikki Tugnett, a rheumatologist in Auckland, yoga teacher and therapist specializing in myoskeletal imbalances and working mostly with those experiencing lots of autoimmune symptoms such as arthritis, systemic lupus and the like. The fact that she is a rheumatologist, a doctor, tells us a lot about her expertise. And I can't wait to ask her all the wonderful questions that I have written here for today's podcast. So Nikki, welcome. Tell us a little bit about your journey becoming a yoga teacher. Oh, thank you so much, Maria. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to talk to you. So it is, I think, a convoluted journey to yoga. Like most of us, we find yoga, don't we, often in a period of turmoil or tumultuous times. No exception for me. I found yoga or yoga found me about a decade ago. And that was a period of difficulty, breakdown of relationships. And also I was dealing with some unprocessed grief as well because I'd lost my dad a few years earlier. And interestingly, I found yoga at the same time that I became a rheumatologist. So I've been a doctor for 20 years, but I've been a rheumatologist specifically for about a decade. So the two things went hand in hand. And yoga just really opened my eyes to having ways, having tools of managing the stress of modern life in a more healthy way compared to not having those tools. And yeah, like most people, my yoga journey has changed in the past decade. I admit I first fell in love with yoga because I just really wanted those physical practices. I was probably trying to lose weight and these things are not the best motivation for coming into yoga. I was quite obsessed with dynamic practices and getting all sweaty, hot yoga, all that stuff. But over the years, it's now evolved far more into appreciating the more subtle changes that happen in the body, the processes that help us build internal awareness, concentration, meditation, reflection, and breath awareness. So these are the things I just am passionate about now. And I love using these tools and introducing these tools to people who've got chronic autoimmune conditions like lupus or arthritis. And it's because I think a lot of people are not so aware that yoga incorporates all of this. And many people who are new to yoga did or do what I did, which is, hey, go for the most physical possible practice and then burn yourself out and think, oh, I'm not too sure about this yoga thing. So I want to show them that there is another way. Which brings us very nicely to the next question. What kind of yogic approaches rather than specific poses or practices, what kind of approaches do you introduce students who come to you asking for a way to manage their systemic lupus or arthritis or autoimmune condition? 
what are the most common ones you recommend when they come to you and uh, they start considering yoga as another way to manage? Yeah, absolutely. So most people who come to me, they have been told at some point that yoga is great for stress management or yoga is great for you know keeping your joint mobility or your joint flexibility, which it is. But I will always start with practices and always advise practices that will help that person who's got arthritis or lupus or autoimmune to really build internal awareness. So that, that process of interoception, where we have an awareness of all the different sensations happening inside the body, for example, the hunger cues or the sense of anxiety causing our gut to be a little unsteady. These subtle sensations that so many people who've got arthritis or lupus perhaps are not so well attuned to because actually you've got bigger external stimuli. You've got pain going on. You know, you've got joint swelling going on. You've got rashes. You've got other things that are taking the attention away from how you feel inside. And all you really know is that you feel exhausted and not very happy. So I always begin with somatic practices to get a person help them feel into their body. So mindfulness, just simple mindfulness, guided body scans to begin with. I think if I say meditation, that can be quite scary for many people who are new. So simple mindfulness processes. And then from there, I'll add in some breath observation. And as a person's confidence builds, we'll then start to draw in the pranayama. And we will draw in other practices like meditation, all of which, as you know, is the main aim is nervous system regulation. And that's really where my focus is with people who've got arthritis or lupus. I could probably talk about this for three hours, so I won't bore you too much. <laughs> but the nervous system is just so out of whack, isn't it? When we have pain or illness of any description, we need tools to help our body process that stress. And this is what yoga, in my opinion, this is what yoga can do that no other modality can do. You know, you can do the physical stretches and exercises in a Pilates class and no disrespect to Pilates. It's a wonderful therapy. You can go and hit the gym and get your heart rate up and run on a treadmill. But it is yoga that will link your mind, body, breath that will really get you into your body. So that is the, the main thing I do. So I slow things down. Before I proceed with more dynamic practices, it's really about getting the person home safe in their own body first. And then we'll introduce some movements and we will build up and depending on what they need, depending on how a person is experiencing their symptoms, if the problems are more the hands or one hip, we can sort of target that area. But yes, yeah, so that's, that's my overall approach. And then some of the practices that we will use, I, I'm a huge fan of myofascial release. So guided self myofascial release is something I do all the time. And again, that helps people who've got arthritis or lupus to, I think, send signals to the body that it's safe to touch and palpate in certain areas. As you know, you can get a lot of pain sensitization when you're living with chronic inflammatory conditions. And so myofascial release helps you realize and helps you feel safe in the body that you can put pressure on certain areas and it's not going to cause huge amounts of pain. And I guess following on from that, the practices that I use are really um, 
sort of the take home or the aim is really to help a person down regulate the nervous system so that they feel less pain in the body we know that pain is so multifactorial right we know that it's pain is not just due to inflammation or tissue injury it's all of it it's what happened to us in our childhoods it's what's happening to us right now in adult life so we can really remove a lot of the elements of pain if we're putting the tools of yoga into practice yeah hope that answers the question <laughs> yeah it also answered part of the practices which was usually their next question I wanted to add as you were talking of course I was thinking of my own personal journey <clears throat> as a systemic lupus patient and the awareness was and I have always voiced that through the years of teaching and being an advocate for yoga for chronic disease and chronic illness that awareness was the most useful tool through my years of practice and that was because I could tell after a few years of practicing yoga I could tell when a flare was coming up and I could in fact start regulating my life to avoid that flare from coming be more consistent with taking my medicine for example <laughs> don't tell my doctor <laughs> if you're listening I didn't say that <laughs> go to bed early and start practices of yoga that were less dynamic less active more restful more restorative etc mm -hmm. etc et so mm -hmm. that internal awareness has been a beacon in the way that I manage my condition also the other thing you said about releasing my facial release that has been incredibly useful for me for two reasons. One, because it's touch and touch in itself is very therapeutic. It's yeah. a form of saying to yourself, look, I'm here. Let's work this out kind of a thing. And the second reason is because it offered significant amounts of comfort, something warm, something soft, something tactile and always brought nice comfort to my body. So that myofascial release has played a really big part in creating comfort. So yeah, really good points for people who are listening to take away with them and to try and contact Nikki or, you know, even me and try and find a teacher in their area to help them experience this because they are incredibly helpful, especially when they're coming to manage their condition and I'm saying their condition because Nikki and I had a little discussion about something <laughs> earlier uh, we were wondering if it would be better to say that systemic lupus is a chronic illness or a chronic disease um, so what do you think I'll tell you what I think as well <laughs> not a trick question so... there is no right or wrong <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going to be educated by you and illuminated by you in a moment, Maria. But I guess from my perspective, and, and I, I'm saying this probably more as a rheumatologist, in, uh, from the medical training background, the word disease can be really triggering for so many people. If I say you've got this disease, that can be quite sort of upsetting. And so for that reason, whenever I'm describing things like arthritis or lupus, I've chosen to use the terminology chronic illness. But that may not necessarily be the most accurate description as I've learned by talking to you. And, you know, again, 
the idea of being chronically ill is quite triggering and upsetting for a lot of people, I guess, particularly when you're first diagnosed. And as you make your peace with where you are and where your body is, those words may become less triggering. But I don't know. What do you think, Maria? What terminology do you think is more more accurate? I was diagnosed in 2004. And it was presented to me as a disease that it's fixed and I can't really do anything about it. But saying that, I also had a very lovely, but very, very direct doctor. He was very, uh, I'm not trying to stereotype. He was from Austria. He was saying, <laughs> you're really sick, Maria. And when I told him that I wanted to have another baby in 2009, before I went back to uni, just before I went back to uni for the second time, <laughs> he lifted his head and just went, do you want to die? And continued writing his notes. So he wasn't. <laughs> the most gentle <laughs> delivering person, but he always meant well. So he mm. always called the disease. When in 2009, 2010, I started doing my degree in health and nutrition, we had a long discussion about it, which then brought us to the definition of disease and illness. So disease is something fixed, systemic lupus, but the symptoms of the disease is illness. So the experience of feeling unwell is illness. So once I accepted over the years that the disease was there and it wasn't going away, because that takes a lot of doing. And I understand why doctors will say illness, because it still leaves the door open for you to be well, to live your life well, to not require further treatment. But if you say disease, it's like you'll always require treatment and mm. it's a bit of a dead end. Anyway, so illness is less fixed, but illness is the way we experience it, the symptoms of the disease as feeling unwell. Uh, so it could be arthritis and the illness is joint pain. You're feeling the joint pain. It could be lupus and the illness could be, I don't know, rashes in your body, whatever. So because of that, I have now come to terms to say that I prefer chronic disease because chronic disease mm. doesn't necessarily mean that I'm ill provided I'm managing yeah. and I'm living my life, yeah. I do not experience any illness from my disease. So, yeah, but that's the only reason. So I just want to bring you back to something then. The idea that chronic disease means it's there, it's something that you have, but you're not chronically ill. How do you reconcile chronic disease when you're in remission? Because the thing is, I'm so conscious that in healthcare, we often will use quite negative language and we can be negatively reinforcing. We can often make patients feel like I've got this disease and it's fixed now, it's here, and I'm never going to have a period where it's gone away. And remission to all intents and purposes is pretty much, it feels like your disease has gone away. And so I'm really conscious that I want people to feel empowered, to have agency that actually I can get on top of this. It's not always going to be this active. It's not always going to be this stormy for me. There'll be periods in my life when it's a lot easier. So how do you reconcile? If you say that you live with a chronic disease, how do you explain it when you are in a remission and hopefully a very long remission, maybe even a lifelong remission, and it never comes back? Yeah. What, what do you think? <clears throat> It's a very good question that I have not considered before somebody asked me that. I have to think about it and answer it properly. Um, I feel very grounded knowing that knowing what causes the symptoms 
And that's the truth for me, but it doesn't necessarily mean that is the truth for other people. And the reason for that in my particular case is because kidney disease, whether it's caused by, I don't know, diabetes or whether it's caused by systemic lupus in my case, is a silent disease. It really kills mm. you silently. There is no pain, mm. there is no symptoms. Until you're about to die, you do not feel anything. And when you're about to die, you just feel sick. <laughs> That's about it. There is no pain. Unless this polycystic kidney disease, which is a completely different ball game and beast, you do not feel anything. And knowing that there was something that was causing this damage to my kidneys was a good thing for me because I could manage it. It was this horrible thing, no doubt about it. But, and while I'm managing it, I could live my life. I had this fearless approach to, if I can do it now, like having a baby, I will just do it now. <laughs> a fearless maybe even careless approach, but if I could do it then, and then it hasn't stopped me traveling to Australia. It hasn't stopped me traveling to Singapore, Oman, I don't know, Dubai. We've been to a lot of places mm -hmm. around the world. Overall, I'm thinking that it's been something that grounded me in my actions. I always had to have that agency. There was never going to be a good time. So the best time was always now. It was never going to be yeah. a good time to have a baby. So the best time was now. It was never going to be a good time to go to university for the second time. So the best time is now. And with that yeah. approach, I managed. But other people are not like me. So that's completely yeah. personal. Yes. No, thank you. That, 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 that's helpful to understand. I just, I'm bringing it back to yoga. And I, I wonder if your journey with yoga has helped you cultivate that attitude towards doing things because yeah. we talked a bit about how yoga builds up internal awareness I mean I, my sense is that when I help patients yoga helps them befriend their body it helps them kind of feel like oh actually I do love this body it may have let me down in the past but I still love this body and it's still capable of doing great things I can still do the some of the things or all the things that I dreamed of doing and that's another one of the reasons why I, I highly recommend yoga for anyone who's got lupus. To understand that the landscape of systemic lupus is really changing from one day to the next. But for the majority of the time, it has been good days. There have been periods of 12, 16, 20 weeks, half a year, whatever, where I have been unwell, yes. But even then, I had another half a year to live my life and I could just go back to it. So yoga has helped me build resilience. And that was the main part, bouncing mm -hmm. back. It's done its job. I recovered. I'm back to another point. I bounced back from it. The chances are just like every ball that bounces up is going to come down again and it's going to bounce back up mm -hmm. again. And maybe disease shouldn't be the obstacle for not doing something, for not starting your business, for not taking an opportunity for a new job in a new place. Uh, and that's resilience. So yoga has helped me build resilience. Um, and that's been important because through self-care, self-love, internal awareness, you appreciate that you have a good foundation and from that you go on and build it.
So even now, when I look at the scars from the transplant, I don't think, oh, let's hide this. I don't care. Yeah. I'm here. I'm alive. <laughs> I'll wear it with pride. Um, so yeah, go back to yourself. And that's what yoga can do to the true self. Yes. Because yes. the identity is lost for a lot of people who are living with an autoimmune condition and that's another part where yoga can help the identity is lost you're diagnosed with something systemic lupus you're diagnosed with something and then suddenly that becomes your sole purpose of living yes you're you're so right and and just picking up on that your identity almost becomes this medicalized thing right you spend so much time coming to see people like me and you know i love rheumatology I love what Western healthcare can do. There is absolutely merit in medications. As you know, they save lives. But we sometimes view people with a certain frame, a certain perspective. And I think that um, it doesn't help. A person can feel almost homogenized. Like I'm just going to my appointment. I'm going to my clinic. I'm going to get asked the same things. Are you taking your pills? Yes. No. How much? What dose? (laughs) Yeah. And I might get asked about my symptoms. What symptoms have you got? And then I'll probably be told, here, here's your lab test. Go get all these lab tests done. Or here, go get this scan done. And then I'll see you later, whether that's in one week or two weeks or three months or six months. And that's pretty much what happens in a standard rheumatology clinic. But often nobody would have asked you, well, okay, what's happening with you? How are you dealing with all this? How are you coping with life? What's happening with your family? What's happening with your friends? What's happening with your work? what's happening with your intimate relationships, you know, because we know that these things get affected when you're chronically fatigued, you're, you're in pain. Nobody's asking you, well, have you thought about exercise? Nobody's asking you, what do you do for stress management? So there are so many things we can do better in rheumatology. And from practicing yoga therapeutics, I, I've learned so much to bring that into my rheumatology practice, because I know that is what gives you your sense of identity back and that's what gives you holistic health care it's not just about take these pills and and do these blood tests you are more than that you're a whole complete spiritual being and i think i had a really amazing doctor here at aberdeen royal infirmary a spiritual man religious who took the time to see patients outside office hours and i was lucky enough in that respect But what has really helped has been journaling, the processing somewhere where nobody else is going to read it again. I've never went back to a diary and read it again. That just never happens. It just doesn't. Processing the thoughts on a piece of paper and writing has been incredibly helpful with morning pages. And that's part of my yoga practice. Mm -hmm. Chanting without repetition as an anchor, a small short chant that you learn Ideally, something that you do not understand the words of, that you pronounce correctly, (laughs) can really ground you and clear things up. Just like a sweeping, a brush, the sound of it, the movement, the repetition of it is great for clearing your mind. So all those things have come into play over the years and a very general understanding that they have a job to do and I have a job to do. So understanding your role as a patient also means keeping track of what is happening your doctor will not know what to do with you if you don't tell them being advocate of your own symptoms yes yes realizing that that is part of your role as a patient that it isn't the role Mm. of the doctor to accommodate all that 
I tend to take responsibility for what I do. So yeah. a little bit different. I, I hear that. I can sort of see that it comes through really clearly. And I think in my sort of senses, and this is just, you know, over the past 20 years as a doctor, my sense is that the more responsibility and ownership you can take over what's happening inside your body. And I know that's not always easy because especially with autoimmune conditions, you know, why on earth do they happen in the first place? You know, that's often a big question. But the, but the more um, ownership and responsibility you can take over what's happening inside your body, as you say, um, writing down or exploring the sensations inside your body and communicating that to your healthcare team, my sense is that will equate to better outcomes for you that will give your doctors a hand in recognizing when things are not going right for you. And again, you will begin to be better at recognizing when things are starting to flare. And maybe you take steps to stop that flare from becoming months long. It'll just be a few days or a few weeks. Yeah, because when I go in and I say, I'm feeling anxious, they're saying, are you taking your (laughs) tacrolimus? And you're like, yeah. yeah. Maybe you're taking too much of it and your heart rate is too high. Yeah, maybe. Maybe your blood pressure medication is not working and your heart rate is too high. (laughs) We start exploring something and then suddenly two days later, when certain aspects have been highlighted that you wouldn't know as a patient, you realize that you have actually worked with your health professional, but you really need to voice those. I strongly recommend people who have a systemic autoimmune type of condition to be advocates for themselves. They cannot expect their doctor to resolve everything in the 10 minutes they get with them. It's just not going to happen. It's only going to happen if you go organize with your piece of paper saying, I have been feeling rubbish for the last two weeks for this reason, this reason, this reason. I think it might be that. Google tells me I'm going to die. Can you please tell me what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they go off and they do the things. I just want to come back to pick up something you said there. The idea that, yes, if you have an autoimmune condition, personal advocacy is highly important. It's essential. But the one thing I'll also add is when you do go to see your doctor, and when I say doctor, I mean your family physician, your general practitioner, bear in mind that most GPs or most family practitioners will not have many people who have conditions like lupus, it, for them, it will be a very rare condition. And so that poses its own challenges. But then on top of that, lupus is so massive. It can cause literally every symptom in the entire universe. Yep. So if you don't have people who are very familiar with the condition and then you're getting or experiencing these unusual symptoms, it can be really difficult to piece together. Well, is it the lupus or is it something else? So that is another reason why you have to be the person that's in charge of your healthcare. You're driving it. You're the person that's saying this doesn't feel right. And I know that my body normally feels like this. And the more you give us that message as healthcare professionals, the more we will listen and the more we will follow up and guide you down the path we think you might need. (laughs) Completely correct. But before we go down another path, (laughs) everybody, you have just been listening, Nikki interviewing me on the Chair Yoga podcast about systemic lupus. (laughs) And absolutely love this episode. But in order to make it about Chair Yoga, 
Can you tell us a little bit more about the role of the chair in the yoga practices that you recommend for students who are living with systemic lupus? <clears throat> yeah, beautiful question. <laughs> yes, a chair yoga, I think, is a lifesaver. It's a lifesaver for anybody who has a, and we'll be careful here, chronic illness, chronic disease, or chronic condition, or chronic pain. Pick appeals to you. But chair yoga, having the skills to know how to adapt a yoga practice and use the chair when you need it is essential. So when I'm working with people who've got lupus or other autoimmune conditions, I always want to teach them how to use the chair as simply another prop. It's just a prop like you use a blanket or you use a block or you use a strap. It is no different. It's the idea that it makes you stand out or look like you're unique in some way. That idea, that myth needs to be dispelled. It is just another prop. And there's nothing But wrong the with that, actually. Even if you do feel unique, you're like, yeah, okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah, that's true actually yeah I think the idea is some people feel self-conscious and I understand but to me it's just another prop I wouldn't feel self-conscious grabbing a block when I go to a yoga class and I wouldn't feel self-conscious grabbing a chair either so I hope that message spills out to the world and I know you're very passionate about that message but chair yoga will help you keep your practice going it'll help you keep your mobility going even if you're feeling a degree of pain so if you have a really swollen knee or a really painful foot your toes are swollen you don't have to stand up and you can still do your upper body work you can even still work into your hips on the chair of course you can always keep the non-physical practices of yoga up when you're flaring um, or when your illness is perhaps more more symptomatic But if you don't know how to use the chair, how to adapt and vary your asana with the chair, then that means when you do have a flare, life is not so fun. Life is perhaps a bit more difficult. That sense of resilience that you talked about might go out the window, but the chair helps us maintain that sense of resilience. So it's crucial for anyone who's living with one of these chronic conditions to learn how to use the chair so that you can just call on it when you need to. And you might call on it every single day. I know I do. So yeah, that's the value of chair yoga. Thank you so much for listening. The Chair Yoga Podcast is sponsored by the Chair Yoga Handbook. You can get your copy now from Amazon or my website, 